I don't want to ca- I don't I don't want to caveat this message. I don't. I have no desire to caveat this message. But because we are in the time that we are in, in the culture that we are in, and we have both members who, who, who know me well, good and bad, and visitors who have no idea about this bald white boy up front, all right, I get it. I, I, this is not an apology. It is, a, it is an openness. It is an authenticity. It's my acknowledging something, okay? The title... Not of the message. The title of the portion of the scripture that I'm going to read. Listen closely. The title. So if you go down through the Bible and you see the Lord's Supper, the resurrection, the crucifixion, the prodigal son. If you look at the title, if you actually had a Bible instead of a phone, and you looked at the bold type, here's what this section of Luke is called. The sin of anxiety. (laughs) from the therapist. (laughs) Okay, so do you see why you guys who know me know that I ain't scared, right? You know that. At the same time, do you see why I feel like we need to have a conversation that's not a conversation prior to me moving forward? Craig, how is it that I am a medically diagnosed individual and you want to say I'm sinning. Do you want to take that up with me or do you want to take that up with the Bible? You, you, I, mean, I mean, do you think for a minute, do any of you in this room think for a minute that I was sitting in my office over the past few days, weeks, and months going, golly, I hope. Shania, here's this one. Man, I can't wait till Josie gets angry at me over it. No. At the same time, I know you. I recognize you. I hear you. I've walked with you. I've seen you rise and fall in your stress, in your worry, in your anxiety. I have experienced it. I have watched this strong, mentally capable, young individual walk through the fire and allow this thing called anxiety to eat 20-something pounds off of me physically before the world realized anything was going on emotionally. So don't for a minute think that I don't get it. But for me to preach this morning as if this is some kind of thing that has entered the world that God cannot overcome is a disservice to you and our Savior. Do you understand that? There's my caveat. I love you. And because I love you, I will preach the sermon as it is written. And the title is The Sin of Anxiety. Now, I also want to say that Preston and I were talking about this, and he said, well, do we need to clarify the difference between worry and anxiety? Listen to me. There's no difference. You actually use the word anxiety in the literal definition of worry. Okay, it's like 
If you look it up, Google it right now. Define worry. Anxious is in it. Okay? So forget all of that stuff. Let Jesus do what Jesus does in you and in me today. Let's read first, and then let's talk, okay? I've even got some medical stuff. I've got some Greek stuff. We're, we're, we're going we're gonna to learn today. The nurses are down here going, oh, I hope he doesn't really try to do this medical thing. Oh, hush. I am not, I did not go to WebMD. Went to Mayo Clinic. All right, it starts as it should. I am not claiming that I am Jesus. This is setting the stage from him to them, from me to you, right? Then Jesus said to his disciples, okay? Then Jesus said to his disciples, he is talking to the people that he cares about, not just cares about that he loves. Ready for this? Not just loves, but that he's going to send to do the greatest work of all time. So they already know that if he comes at them, it is not to push them down, but to strengthen them for the journey ahead. Come on. That needs to be your mindset up front. This conversation is not about pointing you out. It's about building you up. He was about to send these guys to save the world. Bunch of misfits to carry the gospel to all nations. I tell you, and it's it's bordered in... The idea that they're about to go. Remember he sent them two by two? Well, they're about to go again, and they are going to have rejection. They are going to go hungry sometimes. They are going to be cold sometimes. He's framing it in in that reference. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Okay, so he starts broad. But then he gets specific. What you will eat about your body or what you will wear. So food. Body, clothing. It's important. These are all physical items, things that you can see, feel, touch. Okay? That's important. For life is more than food. Let's stop, argumentatively speaking. But if I don't eat, I'm going to. And if I then that is the opposite of life. That's the argument. We're going to come back to that. And the body is more than... This is a nod to our need for presentation. This is a nod for our need for presentation, i.e., shoes, socks, Pants, outfits, makeup, lipstick, blush, eyeliner, hair, hair color, etc. It's a nod to that. Then he says, consider the ravens. Okay, Jesus, I was here. Okay. Uh, ADD much, all right? Do not worry about your food. Do not worry about your clothes. Do not worry about your physical appearance or what you will eat. Consider the ravens. What? They do not sow and they do not reap. There is no raven that's flying itself 
over top with a couple of his buddies and goes, oh, we're flying over Lowe's. Need to stop off, get some bird seed, all right? Fly back up, take it out to said location, drop bird seed, so then a little bit of time there will be more bird seed. This doesn't happen. They don't purchase, plant, wait, then eat. They do nothing in order to find the provision that is provided for, for them. They have no storeroom. They have no barn. Playing back to the guy who decided to build bigger barns. It's a play right back to the story right before this. They don't have, they don't have a barn. They don't have a house. They don't have a roof. Yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than birds? Exclamation point. Listen to me. Listen to me. If you don't think punctuation matters, you are sorely mistaken. Is that a statement or a question? Is it a statement or an exclamation? Huh. He's not asking about your value. Let me, let me plant a seed right now. Your anxiety might just be the affect of how you see yourself because you think Jesus wants to know your value. And so you must in turn define it, or better yet today, especially young ladies, have it defined for you. Just throwing that out there before we get any further. All right, girl, are you with me? You with me? Come on. You with me? You got my back. No, I got yours, but okay. What if you weren't striving to find your value, but actually understood that God has already granted you value beyond what you can comprehend? And how much more valuable are you than birds? Period. It is not a question. It is a statement. It is a exclamation. You ready for this? It's a proclamation. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your, this is my favorite part, can add a single hour to your wife? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest of the things? Here's what he says. He says, so you're worried about making it there on time because there's a line of traffic in front of you. Let me ask you a question. Because you are now worrying, how many cars are disappearing? How many? I am worried that I will not make enough money to pay said bill. 
And if I worry a little bit harder, the money's going to appear in my pocket. Right? Jesus looks at them in the eye and he says, I'm Thawi. You're worried about money, so you're spending energy worrying about money, and that's going to produce money? No, you're worried about time. It's going to make more time? No! He says, so can you tell me anything good that comes from worrying? Anything. Can you name something good that comes from worrying? Okay. I'm listening. You do. You, I, I, I guess that is potentially possible that if someone else were experiencing the same thing as you, that you could share something with them. But the point, it's empathy. But the point there, and I accept that, the point there is what you are growing closer to, you ready? Things of this world fade. And it still requires your focus on things here and not things here. Set your sight on things, and it turns you back to the reason you have a problem to begin with. So yes, in a way, are you ready? That empathy that you experience will help you for a moment. That is true. But let me let me use another example, okay? Drugs. Drugs. All the time people say, well, if I can get this fix, it will fix me for what? Alcohol. If I just drink enough, my problems will be gone for a moment. Money. If I make enough money, it will cover this set of problems. But as most of us who have grown up have learned, the more you have, the more you spend. The more you spend, you find yourself the more in want. It will always be that way. Relationships, sexuality, money, drugs, alcohol, anxiety. Well, Craig, that's a different thing. No, it's not. An alcoholic who doesn't drink is still an alcoholic, and somebody who suffers from anxiety will always have the problem of anxiety whether or not they engage in the act of worry. And I contend biblically this morning that it is about perspective. Max Lucado says it's about who's pushing your swing. A toddler gets behind a swing and their father is pushing them. Higher, daddy, higher, daddy, but a stranger who comes along that they've never seen, their knuckles get a little wider, their knees bend around that thing, and they're uncertain if they want to go. Same swing, same height, same depth, but different individual. Who's pushing your swing? Who's in charge of you eating or not eating? Who's in charge of you being cold or hot? More than that, who's in charge of your life? That's where we're headed here. Who's in charge of your life? And this is a perspective issue, people. That's where we're going to finish. Life is beyond this body. 
All the questions are about the body, the mind, what we have here. That is not your life in Christ. Consider how the wild flowers grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you not even Solomon in all of his splendor is dressed like they are. If that is how God clothes the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow and thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? Do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink and do not worry about it. Oh, for the pagan world runs after such things. If you're going to be offended, this is it. If you're going to be offended, now's the time. Not with me. You, you Have beef with me all you want to. For the pagan world runs on these things. Jesus, and I, I had to reread this paragraph in, in, in my commentary a couple of times. Jesus compares this lifestyle, listen to me, lifestyle to paganism. To paganism, okay? Listen to me. Paganism, by definition, is not the same as atheism. It is more like, I do not believe because of other gods, because of other things. It's not polytheism, it's paganism. I will, I will succumb to and or deny whatever gods come before me. If I need money, I will find money. If I need sex, I will find sex. If I need drugs, I will find drugs. If I need alcohol, I will find alcohol. If I want to talk to the God of the sun because I need it to be bright out, or the God of the rain because I need it to cover my field, that is what I will do. And here's what God says. If you travel from God to God, thought to thought, worry to worry, anxiety to anxiety, you are showing one thing above all other things. You have no idea who pushes your swing. Because we will sing. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole you and me, brother. You and me, sister, I know that God is in control. Sure you do. Or do you? If God is in control and he loves you and he has plans to prosper you and not to harm you and plans to give you hope in the future, what, what is it exactly that you're worried about? There's an interesting verse in the Old Testament. When King David does, the, the, it wasn't King David at the time, when young David runs out into the field, takes the happy meals, not really, but you, you follow me, takes the happy meals to, to his brothers to feed them, and they're all hiding from this big nasty giant, and he comes out and he's like, ah, oh, you all are dogs, you God's people, blah on you, I'm 10 feet tall and I can kill all of you. And David's like, why do y'all put up with that? And they're like, what do you mean, why do, you, why do we put up with that? David's like, well, somebody need to get out there and do something about it. Well, do you want to? Show enough. Scrawny little dude. Freckle-faced, redhead, little spike, you know, alfalfa-looking dude. The Bible says, ruddy with some handsome features. All right, so he's a handsome palpa. All right? 
He says, why not? Saul throws his armor on him. It doesn't fit. I mean, he's just like bogged down. He's like, no, nah, man, just my belt, you know, a couple rocks, I'm good to go. And he runs out into the field and he takes down this 10 feet tall giant who slings around a 135 pound spear, no, 135 pound coat, 15 pounds on the end of a spear, and he takes him out with one rock and one belt. A sling, you know. Why? There's a verse toward the end that nobody ever gets to. Gets to. It says, And David slayed Goliath, and he had no sword in his hand. And David slayed Goliath, and he had no sword in his hand. What did he have? Perspective. Perspective. You're either looking at yourself and looking at the giant, or you're looking at the giant and you're looking at God. You're either looking at yourself compared to the giant, or you're looking at the giant compared to God. Is money a problem if you're staring at the one who owns the cattle on the thousand hills? Is death a problem if you're staring at the one that beat death? Is life a problem if you understand that your life is but a vapor? There is an eternity out in front of you. This is why Paul said, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. You can't take anything from my flesh because I wasn't built for this world. I was built for something more. Kill my body. My soul is set free. It's hard for anxiety to grab hold of you if you know that all of this is but a whisper, but a moment, but a penny, but a second. It's about perspective. That's why Jesus says, why do you spend so much time on the physical? That's not who you are. You are a soul and a mind that I put into the coolest physical creation I've ever done. The most fascinating thing that's ever been created is right here. Well, <laughs> the human body is beyond understanding. And that is but a, of what God can do. Find that video about the size of the earth compared to the size of the sun, compared to the size of Jupiter, compared to the size of the next, to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next, and that's just in this galaxy, and there are millions. And you're worried about a buck? A five-inch by two-inch green and white printed piece of paper? Perspective. Perspective. But seek his kingdom, and the rest will be given. <whistles> but seek his kingdom. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow. Strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. It's perspective. 
Every coach, keep your eyes on the ball. Prize is what I was thinking, but good job. I'm not saying it will go away. Don't hear that. I'm not saying that you're an awful person. Don't hear that. I don't believe alcoholics are awful. I don't believe homosexuals are awful. I, I don't believe that they aren't attracted to the same sex. I do. I do. Just like I believe that almost every Every, almost every man in this room is also attracted to somebody who's not his wife. That doesn't make it right for him to chase her. She just slapped her husband. <laughs> Do you hear me? It doesn't mean that I'm saying that you don't have anxiety in you. I am saying that isn't the God you serve bigger than the worry you carry? Can't you change your focus? Well, Craig, you don't understand. You're right. You're 100% right. I don't. I don't understand your feelings, your thoughts, your emotions, and the things that you go through any more than you understand mine. But either we buy into this thing called Scripture or we don't. Either we have let the world fall away from Jesus and what, listen, listen, and get more and more anxious. And it's true, you know it and I know it. We watch more and more TV, we get more and more ADHD. Videos, TikTok, Twitter. And we ask ourselves why more and more kids can't sit still. Duh. The information that we are flooded with now, listen, pulls out a massive amount more opportunities for us to be concerned, anxious, or worried. That is reality. Somebody said, well, well the, let me give you a good example that, that plays right into this. Somebody said, well, Craig, the death count is just as high now as it was back in the, in the, in the heart of Delta. That's because there are hundreds of thousands more people getting infected. Omicron ran rampant through everybody. Some people didn't even know it was there. Others going to the hospital. Why? Because maybe a million people had one and a hundred died. And now 10 people have this and 101 died. Way less deadly. Just as many people. If you see hear, touch, taste, smell, all of the news, all of the Facebook, all of the things that go on in your world. There's a whole lot more for you to be anxious about. Maybe the problem is not that you're more anxious. Maybe there are more triggers. Are your allergies a bigger problem in Florida or in Kentucky, or is Kentucky just allergy central? That's a good analogy, y'all. Are you more allergic in Florida than you are in Kentucky? No, there are more things setting off your allergies. What if anxiety is the same way? I'm not talking medically. You want to talk medical? Let's do it real quick. Prepared. Anybody, anybody look at this and go, I don't need the definition, man. I have felt that in my bones like in the marrow of who I am, 
nervousness or unease or imminent things and uncertain outcomes drive me batty. I'm apprehensive. I have an unease or a nervousness, usually over an impending or anticipated, a state of being anxious. Here's the medical, just in case. An abnormal or overwhelming sense of apprehension and fear, often marked by physical signs such as tension, sweating, increased pulse rate, by doubt concerning the reality and nature of the threat, and by self-doubt about one's uh, capacity to cope with it. Dang. Dang. Time out. I want to show you something really cool because I didn't know this till today. I'm going to be honest about it. I looked this up today. Here's the Greek word for this. Cassandra, I'm, I'm loving this. For those of you who have experienced um, an incredible amount of anxiety, have you ever felt as if your body as a believer, listen to this, a part as opposed to the whole? The Greek word that's the basis of anxiety means something is only a portion as opposed to being whole. Have you ever felt when you experienced anxiety like your insides were being torn apart, like you were being torn away, like hope was out there and you were being pulled away from the things of God, hope, joy, love? Listen to this, drawn in opposite directions or divided into parts. Have you ever felt like anxiety pulled you away from your ability to do things? That anxiety pulled you away from, from relationships around you to go to pieces? Come on. Have you ever felt like your life was falling to pieces? That is literally the root word of the word translated anxious in this passage. Look at the next one. An old verb for worry and anxiety, literally, to be divided or distracted. Now, can something be of God that divides? If something divides, that also means that it's being pulled apart, right? Into what? Pieces. God has never been about the pieces, but about the whole. That's why he came, to bring life and to make us whole. Also, when things are divided, if you have two things, you have to make a choice, right? If there are two things out there, don't you have to choose one or the other? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. In this case... He says you cannot serve God and money. But the verse and the idea is not simply about money. There is never a time when you can serve God and alcoholism, where you can serve God and homosexuality, where you can serve God and murder, where you can serve God and thievery, where you can serve God, listen to me, and be ruled, and I'm going to stand on that, ruled by anxiety. Does that mean that the alcoholic never wants a drink? No. It means that he needs those around him. It means that he needs other people. It means that he needs his church. It means that he or she needs to be reminded that the alcoholism doesn't control them and they don't have to drink. It means that the sexual desire, whatever it may be, if it is sinful, doesn't have to control you. You can feel it. You can be tempted by it. The sin comes in succumbing to it. This is huge. 
Remember when, when you go through, it says once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. Well, they're not still drunks. They're recognizing what they're drawn to. I'm saying if I'm an anxiety-ridden individual, I have to recognize what I'm drawn to. And then I have to say, not today, Satan. Not today, Satan. I will not look at this giant and see myself in the mirror. I will laugh at this giant because that's my God. And my God wants to bless you beyond imagination. My God wants to make you whole. My God is a God of love, a God of healing, a God of hope, a God of eternity. So if you believe in that God, there is no end. And if there is no end, why would death worry you? Death only worries those who think it's final. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? I am not backpedaling here. I'm going to say the same thing to you that I would say to anyone dealing with a problem of this magnitude in their lives. Okay? There is, there is medication that can tell your brain to do something that can cause you to feel better. It does not ease your anxiety. It takes care of the symptoms. I am telling you that when you are worried, I guarantee you Psy is there. I can tell you that when you are anxious, I guarantee you, I will be there. I can tell you that when you are overcome by the things of this world, reach out your hand and somebody from this messed up, sinful, full-on, broken down, but Jesus-loving church family will stand right there next to you because we all have broken days. And this is when... The young lady in the back is 100% accurate. In our failures and in our failings and in our shortcomings, we need other people who have fallen short too. And since all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, it's time for the church to stand up and say, I'm not worth it, he is, but I'll walk this road with these sinners together. But we're keeping our eyes on Jesus. Not politics, not CNN, not NBC, not Fox, not Facebook, not Twitter. We're keeping our eyes on Jesus. And in doing so, we will see, feel, hear the hope, the love, the power of perspective. And sometimes we just need to be reminded. Sometimes we just need to be reminded. Not condemned and not judged. Reminded. Not condemned and not judged. Reminded. So hear this. You have value, and you need not earn it. You need not rise higher. You are valued by God. You are worth my time, and you are worth way more to him. Number two, keep your eyes on Jesus. Seek ye first the kingdom, and all these things will be added unto you. You ready for this? And if they are not, you call us. Because if the church is doing what the church needs to be doing, if everybody's giving, if everybody's serving, if everybody's loving, then we will have more than any of us need. That is emotional, physical, psychological, spiritual, and financial. So I ain't scared. Don't be scared either.
Fear is a different thing, mind you. I did look that up. But do not worry about tomorrow. It won't get you anywhere. But it will tear today up. This isn't a Bible verse, but it's a line I've never forgotten, and it's applicable today. I have to um, amend the phrasing a little bit. If you got one foot in yesterday and one foot in tomorrow, then you're peeing all over today. Am I wrong? Let's pray. God, I'm reminded of the other cheap but beautiful phrase. Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery. Today is a gift. That's why they call it the present. Let us not be so lost in our own minds and our own concerns and our own anxieties and our own ability that we think we have to change our circumstance, to change the world. Let us be filled by you so that we can change everything through you, everything by you, everything because of you. Let us realize that inherent in the promise that you created us in your image gives us value beyond our creation. Beyond our expectation. And because of your invitation, you make us worth it. I pray that that falls on every heart. I pray that a hug wraps every individual. And I pray that a change in perspective is brought on by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.